Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor of Youth and Families at First Presbyterian Church in Dyersburg, Tennessee. That That's a church I've been to. Yes, big, man. Big news for uh, Gage Jordan and for First Presbyterian Church in Dyersburg is uh, one week ago, a little over a week ago, uh, I got to make the I had the joy of making the trip to Dyersburg, Tennessee, which it's a long way from Hot Springs, Arkansas, preaching at and attending uh, Gage's ordination. And so he is now officially the Reverend Gage Jordan. So that's uh, exciting. And it was, it was cool meeting some of the folks at First Presbyterian Dyersburg and having some of them coming up, come up to me and say, hey, we listen to Assurance of Pardon. That was that was pretty cool because I always heard we had listeners, but I didn't know where they were. We met our we met our listeners. We're just excited we had listeners past our family members. That that's really the thing we were excited about. Yeah, it, it's been really exciting, and we are going to be launching some assurance of pardon swag, whether that's a T-shirt or a baseball cap or whatever. Uh, message us and let us know what you would like to see. That would be uh, super helpful as well. So be watching for that, so you can. Do your Christmas shopping uh, on the uh, from Assurance of Pardon. We'll be we'll be rolling out some some stuff that'll give you a chance to uh, to rep your favorite podcast. Um, and clearly, clearly, your dad needs some Assurance of Pardon socks for Christmas, so it's it's time to get him those. Yes. Also, Scott, you've got uh, a fun announcement. Uh, something big's happening in April. You want to tell us about it? Yeah, our friends at fifteen seventeen. Fifteen seventeen is a uh, a conservative Lutheran uh, blog that uh, we've. Uh, you guys may remember uh, a few months ago we interviewed Chad Bird, who's a Hebrew scholar. He's a he's a scholar in residence with fifteen seventeen. Um, they are having a conference in Northwest Arkansas, April sixteenth and seventeenth in Bentonville, um, called the Here We Still Stand Regional Conference. Uh, with Chad Bird, with uh, Jared C. Wilson, who's a uh, Reformed Baptist author, who's who's uh, really good. Uh, uh, April sixteenth and seventeenth, and I'm going to be speaking at it as well. So make plans to uh, to join us for that. April sixteenth and seventeenth, we'll put a link to that conference in the show notes. Uh, let us uh, uh, come come see us, and um, and it's going to be a fun time. So like after listening to a bunch of episodes of the Happy Rant podcast, we need to refer to Jared as the Jared C. Wilson instead of it, just Jared C. C. That, Wilson. Is that what they call him? Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun conference. Andy Gullahorn, who's a uh, Christian a music artist, is going to be performing a concert there. Uh, Daniel Emery Price from uh, Thirty Minutes in the New Testament. Um, Chad Bird from Forty Minutes in the Old Testament. Um, Scott Davis from Assurance of Pardon, uh, Jared C. Wilson from is he Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary? I believe that's I believe, right. I believe so. Yes. 
Yeah, I believe that's right. Yeah, gonna, that's exciting. Going to be a fun time for uh, yeah. confessional folks, uh, not who are not all of the same stripe. So you've got Presbyterians like me, Reformed Baptists like like Jared Wilson, and then Lutherans like Chad Bird getting together to celebrate what we do have in common, and that is and that is the gospel. So it's going to be a fun time, April 16th and 17th in Bentonville, Arkansas. So check it out. The registration is open for it now, and it will fill up. Yeah, we'll be sure and leave the link in the show notes. Absolutely. Well, Gage, we are in our series in hermeneutics where we are uh, teaching people how to rightly understand Scripture. We've talked about how context is so important. But today we are going to talk about another error that is very, very prevalent in um, contemporary evangelicalism, and it's the way that so often churches and preachers and Sunday school teachers and uh, children's book publishers handle the what we might call the hero narratives, especially from the Old Testament. Like, what do you do with a story like Daniel and the Lion's Den? What do you do with a story like David and Goliath? What do you do with a story like Noah? Those are those are three what we might call Old Testament heroes, and there's a there's a way in which those stories get taught to kids. Uh, and it goes like this. All right, boys and girls, David was brave. David faced Goliath and defeated him with God's help. Boys and girls, what's the Goliath in your life that you need to face down? There's a Goliath in your life. Is it anger? Is it jealousy? Is it uh, is it greed? Is it lust? Is it some sort of illness? Um, what's the Goliath you need to face? Or, all right, boys and girls, we're going to tell you a story today about Noah and the ark. And you can know that if the Lord asks you to do something really crazy and out there, like build an ark, you can be brave and do it too, right? We were actually having this conversation in Sunday school with my students a couple of weeks ago, who many of them, uh, you know, we have, we share a, uh, our campus with a classical Christian school that we, the church started in the seventies. Um, and they, a lot of them went to this school growing up. Um, and so they, they've had a Christian education kind of go, growing up in the church and a Christian education in their schools. So they were familiar with a lot of those narratives. We were talking about the idea of memorizing scripture and memorizing whole books of the Bible. Cause we've been going through a book called this changes everything uh and and uh you know one of the things she talked about is memorizing whole books of the bible with her dad and i said you know guys does that seem crazy does that seem something that's attainable is that something you've ever tried and and one of the kids actually said i I think we struggle with that and he honestly struggle with reading our bible because we've heard all the stories before Mm -hmm. and so that's when i kind of pushed on them a little bit because many of them even if they hadn't been coming to our church, if they grew up in church, that's what they heard is the hero narrative, right? Yeah. That they heard, you know, David killed Goliath and we can face our giants too. Um, or they heard Daniel was thrown in the lion's den and the Lord saved him. You can be persecuted like Dan- Daniel yeah. uh, and be okay. Or uh, Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
Yeah, all, all of those things. Um, and this is, you know, you've heard us use big terms through this series like uh, Christocentric hermeneutics, right? Looking and seeing where is Jesus in the narrative? Or you've heard us use uh, another term that the academics call it is redemptive historical hermeneutic, right? That the gentleman that messaged me one week and wanted to know what kind of method we were using, it's redemptive historical um, essentially, we're asking the question, though, what does this passage have to do with Jesus or, or where is it in the, the thread of Jesus? When I taught, one of the times I taught this lesson with my students in Conway is I took a big ball of yarn and let them take a string and just start pulling it throughout the audience as we were having this conversation about the narrative. That's how we should approach the text, that there is a crimson thread throughout all the Bible and that uh, all roads in the Bible lead to Jesus. Um, but that's not what happens typically with the narrative. And, and when you do the opposite of Christocentric, um, when you take a man-centered or a um, self-focused approach to the hermeneutic, you always are trying to read yourself into the text. And I, and I think it's not people aren't intentionally trying to be narcissistic here. I don't I don't think. I want to give benefit of the doubt. I think we are taught early on when we read the Bible that you should try to apply the Bible to your life. And so people hear that and they think, okay, how do I apply the story of David and Goliath to my life? How do I how do I act like Noah? How do I act like Daniel? How do I act like Ruth? How do I apply what's happening to them to a principle in my life? And then before you know it, you're David facing giants. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we are in our sin. Um, I, 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 maybe I'm being not quite as kind um, and putting the best spin on it, but we in our sin, we need to be honest. We in our sin, when we, we come to these texts, we read ourselves as the hero. We, we, in, in trying to apply it, we go, okay, I'm the hero here. How, what would I do? Um, and, and so we've, this is what you would call instead of a, instead of a Christocentric hermeneutic, it's a it's an a man centered hermeneutic, it's a person centered hermeneutic, and not founded on Jesus. And again, we read our Bibles, we read our Bibles backwards. We let Jesus, we let Paul, we let the apostles tell us how to read the Old Testament. Jesus says in John chapter five thirty nine, "You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me." Or in Luke 24, when Jesus says to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So we st our starting point is this is about Jesus. If we come to any text in the Old Testament and we, we begin with a question pro other than how is this text pointing me to the the pinnacle of human history, and that is the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension into heaven of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. If we come to any text without asking that first, then we're not reading our Bible the way that the New Testament tells us to. We're we're gonna we're gonna 
we're going to look for something else. We're going to have a different lens and it's, it's not going to be something better. It's if we're, if we're reading something other than Jesus uh, as, uh, as the, the lens through which we see it, then we're reading something inferior. Right. Another, another way I think to put it, even, even in, in layman's terms is in, instead of having a hero hermeneutic to your narrative, start with Jesus is the hero, right? Mm-hmm. There is one hero in the entire book. His name is Jesus. Second, and this, this gets into, and we'll have a whole episode on covenant theology, but this gets into our covenant theology lens mm-hmm. that we don't see a separation between the church and Israel that there's the people of, of God in the Old Testament. There's the people of God in the New Testament. And we are part of that story in the history of redemption. So if you put the hero at Jesus and everybody else isn't the hero, right? Uh, then you can, you don't have to put them on a pedestal. You also don't have to be flabbergasted when they fail, right? Because um, I was talking to the kids and I said, so go back and read the the Noah and the Ark narrative again. It's not a children's story. It's probably not something, and I know churches do a lot of churches do it. It's probably not something that should be a mural in the nursery. Right. 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 Yeah. It's just it just shouldn't because it's a story about millions of people dying by flood. And then the story ends with Noah walking out of the boat getting naked, getting drunk and sleeping with his daughters. And that's as, as, as one, as one author uh, said, Noah naked and drunk in his tent, like a redneck on vacation. (laughs) Absolutely. So if Jesus is the hero, everybody else is not, we're part of the people of God. Now you go back and read David and Goliath and you go, okay, we are the people of God. So where are the people of God in the story? scared out of their mind in the tent. Okay. So who's Goliath? And what do I do with David? Well, first I can hold it in its context that David was eventually going to be the king of Israel. And this is where um, outside of Samuel anointing him, this is kind of where he comes on the scene and, and things start to kind of turn in the story from focusing on Saul to focusing on David. Second, we understand the Philistines were the biggest enemy that the people of God had really throughout out their, their history as far as uh, Israel as a nation and their nationalistic enemies. The Philistines continue on and on and on and on. So you had this enemy that David defeats and the focus starts to become on him as king. Why does the focus become so, so centered on David? Because David is the lineage by which Jesus comes through. Who, who is ultimately the king who's going to fulfill the Davidic covenant. So now we can look at that and go, hey, this is actually about Jesus, who's the true and better David who defeats all of our enemies, right? That's what our confession says, that he subdues us to himself and defeats all his and our enemies. That's how he, how he exercises the office of king. So then I can look at Noah and I can go, okay, if we are the people in this story, and where's Noah? Chances are we're the ones that reject the word of God and the promises of God and don't listen to his prophets when they tell us the truth. And we likely would have rejected Noah too. 
Yeah. Right. And, and it goes on and on and on. So at that point, when you start to put yourself in the proper place of the story, now this story starts to become different. And if you start to ask the question, regardless of where you are, Lamentations, Leviticus, um, Zechariah, um, wherever, you can read the passage and say, okay, where are we at in the Crimson Thread? What's this got to do with Jesus? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the, the truth is, first of all, we need to just back up and say, all right, what what genre of scripture is First Samuel? And it is it is narrative rather than didactic. Now, didactic means it's uh, uh, didactic would be something like um, Paul saying, "Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church." Whereas he is speaking to the church and giving them instruction. Um, narrative is. It's an account. It's an account of something that happened. So there's nothing anywhere in the story of David and Goliath at the, or let's say at the end of David and Goliath, there's not a little place where the narrative ends and it goes didactic and it says, therefore go and do likewise. Right. There's no prescription. Uh, and another way to say narrative or didactic, because those are uh, kind of big words, is prescriptive versus descriptive. Right. Right. Amen. Husbands yep. love your wives as Christ loved the church. Okay. That is a prescription. That is telling me I'm a husband. I have a wife. I need to love her as Christ loved the church. Okay. Uh, descriptive would be. And then Noah built an ark, right? It's just not telling right. me to build an ark. It's telling me about an account of something that happened. And so, first of all, the story of David and Goliath is a narrative account of something that happened. It is not telling me something I'm to do. And so, right, to build on on what you're saying or to even maybe say it another way is, who am I in the story of David and Goliath? Well, I'm not David. I'm not the anointed king of Israel. I am the the anointed boy king of Israel. He had been anointed earlier. Rather, I am the 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 cowardly, impotent, powerless army of Israel who is unable to defeat this giant. And David is the Jesus is the truer and better David who defeats the giant of sin and death on my behalf. And I want to gauge. I want to draw a people's attention to something in the text. The story of David and Goliath is in First Samuel chapter seventeen. Uh, everybody is familiar with basically the 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 gist of the story, but I want to draw everybody's attention to one particular thing in First First uh, Samuel chapter seventeen. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 8, it's talking about Goliath. It said, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? And here's the, the key phrase, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we, that is the army of the Philistines, we will be your servants. But if I prevail, that's Goliath, if I prevail and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Gage, what what is what is fascinating about this battle is this is not Goliath versus David. This is a substitutionary battle. This is David standing in the place of the people of God, saying, if you this man's victory is going to be 
imputed or given to all of them, although they were too scared to lift a finger, although they were unable to do it. So this is the, the battle is substitutionary. That's enormous. That's enormous. What does that point us to? Is there anything else in the Bible that is substitutionary? Is there anything else in the Bible where we point at what somebody else did and we say, I get credit as though that was me? Right. right. Paul saying, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I have been buried with him in baptism. I have been raised with him and seated with him in the heavenly places. And so when we begin to come to these narratives and we we go, okay, I'm, I'm not David. I know this is about Jesus. I'm now going to read this in that way. How is David like Jesus? How is this setting the stage for a greater David who defeats a greater giant than Goliath. Then what's beautiful is that the story of David and Goliath, which actually had been bad news, right? It's, it's, it's not good news to say to a kid, you got to face a giant. You got to face a giant. You got to, you got to trust. You've got to, you've got to go into the lion's den. You've got to, you've got to face a giant. You got to go into the lion's den. You, it, it, that's not you good build news. An ark. Yes. You got to build an ark. Uh, yes. um, you got to gather all the animals on the planet. Um, rather, but when we read it with Jesus at the center, it takes the story of David and Goliath and it turns it into a gospel. It turns it into, as Tim Keller calls it, joy inflicting news. Yes, that that makes us makes us believe the gospel better, makes us understand who Jesus is and what he did. And so this is I, I worry that some folks would hear this and they would think, uh, well, yeah, you're 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 getting a little wound up. But the truth is, um, or, or uh, hey, you know, apples and oranges, you say tomato, I say tomato. I choose to read it this way. You choose to read it that way. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. But by no means, this is the this is the way the New Testament tells us to read Old Testament narratives is read them looking for Jesus. You know, and it and it's important to understand all of what we talked about today, right? It, to understand who the hero in the story is, it's always Jesus. Uh, so the other guys can't let you down and they can come off the pedestal because they're going to fail you in the story. David is going to be an adulterous murderer. Spoiler alert. Uh, Noah is going to get naked and drunk. <laughs> Jacob is going to deceive people. Uh, Abraham's going to lie about who his wife is. Not once, not but twice, and teach his son how to do it. They are going to fail you. So now you don't have to try to be like one of the biblical heroes in the story. You can let their failures be their failures and be honest with the fact that the Bible is self-authenticating and true, because all of these guys are telling you their flaws. Noah is is being, you know, Moses is being honest with, with what's happening with Noah. Jonah is telling you about his failures as he's writing about it. The the apostles are telling you about the, all the times that they absolutely blew it and absolutely missed what Jesus was talking about. Uh, and so now you can read that there, and and you can it can save you from a, a lot of heartache and a lot of um, the pain that comes with. Uh, bad theology. I, we were talking about this the the other day in, in my sermon at, at uh, First Pres. Bad theology hurts people. 
you know, I just got done watching the documentary, uh, the two-part documentary, American Gospel, and it mm-hmm. talks about the the dangers of the prosperity gospel, and it talks about the the dangers of progressive Christianity. Bad theology hurts people. It leads them to to hear and do things that they think they're doing in an effort of faith that can leave them financially in ruins or their health in ruins or their relationships in ruins uh, because they bought into bad theology. Good theology helps people, right? It helps you to read the narrative in Job and realize his wife and his friends are stupid. They Mm -hmm. are. They're telling you bad things. They're telling you the things not to do. Uh, they're, They're leading Job. If he listens to them, towards a really bad path in the midst of suffering he's already experiencing. Consider the consider Jonah. I mean, you've got to really, really do, um, you've got to really um, manipulate the text to make Jonah come out as a hero. Jonah is bad on every page of that four-chapter book. He is a racist yeah. brat who does yeah. not want God to save people. And the number of times that 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 story gets uh, paraphrased back of Jonah, Jonah was disobedient, but then a fish swallowed him, and then he learned his lesson and he he got better. That's just not what the story says at all. Mm-mm. The only hero in the book of Jonah is God, um, and and telling people to the, the, this is the other thing is is telling people they need to imitate these Old Testament heroes. Uh, only works if they actually don't really read the text. If they just oh, yeah. if they just believe the uh, the paraphrased retelling of it, the sort of the highlights um, storybook Bible cartoon version. Well, we hope this was helpful. And if you have any additional questions or, or thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. You can always hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or you can find us on our website at assuranceofpardon.com and, and shoot us an email at contact at assuranceofpardon.com. We'll have plenty of resources um, in the show notes to help you kind of think through this. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is the, the video with Timothy Keller where he kind of walks you through yep. um, how to process all this and see Jesus is the new and better Adam and the new and better Noah and the new and better David. Um, We'll include that link. We'll include information, of course, about the Here We Still Stand Regional Conference in Bentonville, Arkansas coming this April. And then some other uh, helpful resources to uh, help you understand what it looks like to get away from the hero narrative and have more of a Christ-centered focus in your Bible study. Um, We hope this and other episodes have been helpful. Be sure and subscribe and share this with your friends. As always, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.